You know what my mother used to call me? Dangerous. You're a dangerous girl. She was right. I am dangerous. Everybody, and welcome back to the whole movie podcast, The Neon Demon Edition. It is I, Jordan Cruciola, and I am here with my two wonderful partners in this adventure. Partners, tell them who you are. Uh, my name is Roxana Haddadi. I am a pop culture critic and film and TV critic. And um, yeah, that pretty much covers it. Excellent. I'm William O. Tyler. I am a comic book artist, creator, uh, and critic. I host a uh, show, Cinephilia, on Twitch. Um, And yeah, that's me. And in our last episode, we talked about um, the runway. We talked about, you know, beauty isn't everything. It's the only thing. And that really comes to a head that that notion really fulfills the gravity of its nature in this episode where we are talking about I'm a dangerous girl and Jesse's final fatal confrontation with um Dracula's brides with the with the witches who she has been either sparring with or sort of seducing or being being seduced by it's it's a whole thing this entire movie and a lot leads up to a lot of fucked up stuff leads up to this scene yeah we have we have jesse going home from the runway show and the bar after where you know sarno and sarno explains uh beauty is everything it's the only thing she her boyfriend is a gog well her man who she's been entertaining is a gog <laughs> right this yeah not boyfriend not I mean, boyfriend. come on yeah this, yeah this, this, <laughs> yes. this hopeful suitor uh, he wishes he, he's horrified at like right. the naked narcissism on display um acting like he's better than all that and she she basically she gives him the brush off she's you know tells her i don't want to be them they want to be me like get out of here if you can't hang she goes back to her room and this is that is when when she's still all decked out in her post-show garb um there's the knife scene with keanu which is just nuts knife scene is nuts knife scene is very much I mean, can be read two ways, of course, like so much of this movie can. Right, right. You can read it as this is a thing that actually happens to her. Uh-huh. And sort of the evidence for that is that we know Keanu to be a creep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We know that Keanu is very aware of the underage girls that are staying at the motel. Yeah, he's like sex and trafficking little girls he at is his hotel. sex trafficking like teenagers yeah. or... God, maybe even younger. I don't know. We yeah. don't know how old they are because we don't see the other girls. Mm-hmm. But so there's there's a strong possibility that this could have actually happened. 
Um, Mm -hmm. Keanu could have come into her room. Mm -hmm. He could have mimicked oral sex with a knife with her. Um, And it could be a horrible, fucked up thing that scars her forever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or it could still be a horrible, fucked up thing that scars her forever. But it could be an imagined thing. Mm -hmm. And perhaps some sort of embodiment of Jesse's fears, Mm -hmm. anxiety of the reality of the situation in which she now finds herself, which is that, yes, she was a success on the runway show, but she's not enough of a big deal to live somewhere else. Yeah. Or to have better circumstances or to have money. Yeah. Something I think is really interesting about the Neon Demon is we never talk about money. No. No, and that's and it's never it like it never even comes up in the conversations about like what this career and life could give you. It's yeah. not even a part of the priority of conversations like when Christina Hendricks is telling you like you're going to be mm-hmm. huge. She doesn't say like you're going to be rich. She's like everyone's right. going to know your name, you're going to travel around right. the world, you're going to be famous. Like mm-hmm. money, money and sex, the things like as a society, we are kind of talking about most often are the things left off the table in this movie. Right. It's fame. It's beauty. It's aesthetics. Mm-hmm. It's becoming the thing that everybody else wants. So yeah. It's jealousy. Mm-hmm. But it is not wealth. Yeah. Um, or even really like survival, uh-huh. really. You know? So I think that scene is very interesting in that you can read it as two different ways of her I think just a little bit of unawareness Mm -hmm. as to what she's gotten herself into sort of playing out and is that also the scene I'm perhaps misremembering is this also the scene where the walls breathe yes yes it gets very supernatural in that as well so So a lot's going on here a lot is going on and it's that sense you know we've talked before about the idea that like Perhaps everybody in this movie is some kind of supernatural or otherworldly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it's interesting that she goes from one place mm-hmm. that is seemingly, <laughs> I don't want to say like alive, mm-hmm. but a little bit, you know, like, but a little bit alive. Yeah. And it, it has some horror from her. And then she <laughs> calls somebody and goes to another house that is sort of a variation on the same thing Mm -hmm. so it sort of raises the question of like you know if the runway was her safe space and her place of metamorphosis and transformation Mm -hmm. like how much does she lose the power of that Mm -hmm. by stepping off of it right and by going into places that sort of don't imbue her with her power but like i love the creepy walls breathing yeah me too you know, I don't want to say that I love Keanu, but again, Keanu playing against type. But he's doing a great, being... he's doing, he's selling it. You're not like, oh, yeah. he's a bad fit for this part. You're like, oh no, my God. No, he absolutely God. is perfect for yeah. this part. Elle, I have to ask you, what was it like working with Keanu and the knife? <laughs> this was, he's like, he his hands were shaking so much. I don't know if he was, I think he was like nervous or like, he was just like, because, I mean, obviously, it's a weird thing to do. And he didn't want to hurt me. Right. You're just like, oh, holy shit. Like, the level of menace that Keanu is able to exude in that moment with, I don't even remember how much dialogue there is. Like, it really is just a matter of, like, in that moment, 
Elle Fanning really feels like a girl, uh-huh. and Keanu really feels like a man, uh-huh. a grown-ass man. Yeah. And so that disparity, I think, is really driven home in that moment. And I think that's such a that that's such a that's such a key foil for like the rest of this movie. I feel like too because Jesse's like the whole movie is trying to age Jesse up. Jesse's trying to age yeah. Jesse yeah. up, and then we get and and I feel like that's what that's what we that's what happens in real life with this sort of machine of of entertainment and ingenues is we age them up, we age them up, then something terrible happens, and we say, well, how could this happen? Mm-hmm. And then we suddenly see ripped back down to earth the the youth of the person that has been exploited and it's kind of like oh yeah they were this young the entire time and they're in a very adult and it's 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 a and it just does it for like this one scene mostly so it's enough to like upset you a lot before getting back to like the abstract ceremonial sort of celebration and degradation of of narcissism Mm -hmm. and i think just a reminder of like you know Maybe not everyone is going to, like, be a necrophiliac or a cannibal or any of that stuff. But in terms of, like, everyday predator type shit, I mean, this very much drives home that sense, too. So, again, we're playing in, like, two different realms. We have a character like Christina Hendricks' manager who sort of knows that like obviously Jesse's not of age. Yeah. You know, but ultimately like she will let that slide. Yeah. Because it could get her something that she wants. Mm-hmm. And we also have Keanu as Hank. Yeah. You know, and he <laughs> and he wants what he wants. Yep. And I think both of them are turning a little bit of a blind eye to the reality of Jesse and they're very much, you know, the real world villains that mm-hmm. populate this landscape yeah i think that Refn does a good job of um keeping us entertained in such a a disturbing situation mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. because the movie is like we've already said the movie is very heightened reality already um but yeah. then this becomes something that's a very um real and grounded real life horror like you said these are the real life villains um but at the same time, while Keanu is doing this, this having this devastating moment, mm-hmm. this also feels like the most surreal moment in the movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's yeah. it's it feels like um, like a nightmare. If I mean, if it feels like it feels very dreamlike, um, mm-hmm. but grotesque at the same time. Um, and I think that, like you said, he only he doesn't say very much. I think the only words that he actually says is. Um, open wider. He's telling her to open yeah. wider. Yeah, um, yeah. And he just keeps oh, saying that over and over God. again. And that's, <laughs> it's gut wrenching. It's it's gross. It's it so really gross. Um, so bad. It was kind of like fun. I don't know. I kind of like enjoyed it. <laughs> but then you. But then she wakes up. Um, and you. You think it's a dream? We're still not sure if it's a dream or if it actually happened right. and then he moved on to the next person. But she can hear the girl in the next room also being assaulted. And I think mm-hmm. that that earlier in the movie, Keanu actually says that the girl in the next room is younger than, than Elle. Um, yeah. So it's kind of like, uh, it, just, it just doesn't end. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. that's when we get that great shot of... Sorry, my cat's going off. 
No, that's what that, I think. That's pretty. I'm pretty sure that's like that could be the tenant where he described him to. He's to Carl Glusman's dean. Yeah, real yeah, low leadership. Yeah. Real low, yeah, low exactly. leadership. Yeah. So it's like a younger 12 girl. Twelve or there. thirteen, fresh off the bus from Ohio, ran away from home. Yeah. He has. There's some line that he says. It's like thirteen got to be seen or something like that. Oh I, yeah. I think and I think that that was a in the commentary by Refn. I think that oh. Refn mentions that that was an ad lib by Keanu. Like he added that. Keanu. <laughs> He was in it for this. He knew oh. those He's like, man, I don't do this very often. <laughs> yeah, in terms of like Keanu villain roles, it's basically just like this and the Bad Batch. Yeah. yeah. This, yeah. this kind of villain, like this kind of gross, grimy. Really gross. Really gross. Like, <laughs> like Keanu is so beautiful and they made him so not beautiful. <laughs> like, when I, 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 a thing I, <clears throat> a thing I enjoy so much about this movie is, is the recurring theme of the motel room of how every time Jesse has a win, uh, she has to go back to the place where she lives, which is mm-hmm. this hotel room, which is indicative of where she came from, which is ostensibly the thing I would imagine she's trying to get away from forever. And the fact that the hotel, the fact the motel has its own aesthetic and it is often where the most surreal things occur even though it is the most real setting of, you know, feeling setting of any of the places we get in, like, you know, the incredible mansion that's the same one from Scream 3 that we see in the end, and the party, and the fat photo shoot, and the catwalk. Like, even the diner doesn't feel that real because you have, you're looking at fucking Abby Lee and Bella <laughs> Heathcote sitting next to each other. Like, that doesn't feel like you're on Earth. And so, like, the most the place that is most indicative of reality is like the worst place yeah. in mm-hmm. this movie it's oh, it's the place where the bad things keep happening to Jesse it's the place that she wants to get out of to leave behind everything that it brings with it and i just love the the dingy motel as that recurring hellhole for her Mm-hmm. It's like God, guys. Isn't reality the fucking worst? Like, go to Dreamland where women want to eat you, but isn't that better than reality? Yeah, and I mean, I think it's one of those things too, where it's like, I think in this moment, Jesse thinks like she's gonna escape from shitholes like this, yeah, and she's done with them. Yeah, you know, like she's been discovered. Sarno loves her. Mm-hmm. Like theoretically you know, Ruby and Gigi and Sarah, like, they're all established. They don't have to live like this. Mm -hmm. And I think this is, like, her, you know, like, I'm gonna leave this place and, like, hopefully I don't have to come back. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you you don't come back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Not in the way you think. Yeah. And and it's also... Oh, continue. Sorry. No, Um, no, no, no. You know, the idea of her leaving and getting out of this place while simultaneously hearing the next girl go through the same situation. Right. And of course, not that anyone should ever be in this position where they have to put their life on the line to go and save someone else. Yeah. But I feel like that doesn't even cross her mind. Like the idea that she might be able to go over and like knock Keanu over the head from behind. Um, right. she's no. like I, I'm calling Ruby and I'm out of here like yeah, no, I gotta go. I call someone, it's just for herself but it's not gonna be the police yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I, I'm gonna call someone but it's not in any sense to stop what's happening it's to just get me far away from it hello Ruby thank god you're 
And I, I love, I love that well, aspect. Is it, is it that she's house sitting? Right, she says that she's house sitting. We don't know the truth. Like we, we don't, don't know, yeah, we don't know the truth. But I <laughs> yeah, we the, don't know I, the truth. I love the idea of her being in a place that isn't hers and basically just like haunting it. Like, oh, she yeah. feels like yeah. a ghost. It's definitely yeah. a haunted in this house. Manner and it hundred yeah, percent like... a haunted house. I mean, when she's in the rose garden. Yeah. And watering the flowers. I, I might have written this in my essay. I thought I was like, there's a body under every one of those. Right, oh, right. Like yeah. I, they're they're yeah. growing from decomposing mm-hmm. human pieces. Some real annihilation shit. Like... <laughs> also, I love, yeah. I mean, I know we're skipping ahead, but I since you brought up the garden. Yeah. I love yeah. the fact that she's um, digging a grave to get rid of the body, but she stops halfway through to just relax in it and... Yeah. Read a book and it's such like, a it feels like such a ref zone. and choice that she just decides <laughs> to become one with the earth in that moment. Yeah. Like of See, course I she always... was like, and now lay down. Like feel it. Because I had changed the ending, I hadn't really found a way to finish her character because now she was no longer gonna die. But I love the idea of her lying in an open grave. So we went to the flower field behind the house and just dug this hole and had her lie in it. Uh, and originally it was supposed to be like she's burying you, but then I thought that's too specific. Maybe she's just like lying. It's too in normal. A- and I always took I always took that scene to mean that she knows that she can't die, and she's seeing what it would feel like. Yeah. To do so. Interesting. Yeah. That, I always that took actually that goes scene. along with my theory of of. Well, we'll get to it. We haven't gotten. Yeah, there yet. we'll get to it. But yeah, <laughs> like, I do. Yeah. I, I, I mean, the back half. The back half of this movie is filled with so much. Like, like once Refin commits to, like, yeah. okay, I'm gonna make the subtext the fucking text. Yeah. Like, yeah. there is so much like good, weird, question raising, thought provoking yeah. shit. That's gorgeous. That's just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I, I love the idea of Ruby as a specter in this house, yeah. almost be, in part because she seems so. Like, with her status as as glam, like, she's not of the runway. She's, she's mm-hmm. like, a she's a part of this world, but she's not, she's not one of the marionettes, but she's also not one of the, the puppets. She's, like, she's not necessarily the power, but she's not among the, the ex, like, most exploited class. Right. And so there's just this, her being in a borrowed place feels so right because it feels like her whole life is about being close to that the status it feels like it's being close to the the threat like being in the next threshold like she's amassed and the glam squad is always like the person's best friend like the glam squad you know you you see the famous people with like the people doing their hair and makeup forever like oh you couldn't get by without these people like she's amassed probably this network of she knows everybody maybe she doesn't even have a fucking place that's her own she just Mm -hmm. bounces from like home to home to home with these rich people who are out of town and she's just like constantly in one mansion or another cosplaying the life of Mm -hmm. the absolute rich and famous and she's just like feeding off of that energy and like carrying on i I just see Mm -hmm. her as this like impermanent pres like this not fixed to any one place she's just like apparates wherever she can take advantage of something Mm -hmm. 
yeah i mean i think that's <laughs> that pretty much captures it like i think <laughs> you know like we've discussed the idea that like all of them are like something yeah and it does very much feel like ruby shifts into like witch gear here. yeah yeah very much she is like the first tell of like oh okay there's there's something there's something happening here yeah um yeah so jesse calls her jesse goes and sees her yeah uh so how do we how do we feel about the whole like jesse being a virgin thing how do we how do we feel about that scene uh, you mean like do we buy it do we buy it i lied before I've never been with anyone like that. I buy it. I buy it. Because I, okay. I think, okay. for me, be, being, I think, on the more susceptible side to the angelic teen girl face, mm-hmm. I am more, I, I've been more often on the page of, like, I don't, like, I, I, she's not as innocent as she seems, but I think she's one of right. those people who, um, because they are in on more things than maybe the average girl their age, the average mm-hmm. person their age. Mm-hmm. They think they're ahead of the game on a lot more than they really fucking are. Mm-hmm. Like she's definitely manipulating people. She's definitely playing her pure white, beautiful face for like all the effect and, and like riches it can bring her. But she also is somebody who just like, she knows she has the tools, but doesn't actually know how to fucking use them yet. And so Mm -hmm. I think she's gotten herself in over her head. I think she knows that there is a charm she has over Ruby, but she again, didn't didn't play out the various game theory scenarios of like, well, I if I if Ruby feels this way about me, I should probably do this. If Ruby feels this way about me, I should probably do this. She's just like hard charging ahead on her Jesse charm in sort of any context. And then something happens to her where she's legitimately fucking scared. And the ways in which she hasn't game theoried out the eventualities, I think catches up with her very quickly. And it's like, oh fuck, I'm I I'm a killer like you know I can make it in this industry everybody wants to be me she doesn't actually know what it is to be a killer yet unless she's killed her parents which has been postulated on this podcast (laughs) unless she's killed her whole family but like I think she she sees the life of like the killer that she wants to be like in like the kind of metaphorical sense yeah but she doesn't actually I think understand the material ramifications of like what that makes you into what you trade to become the demon and mm-hmm. she's she's been given the benefits right now, but she hasn't had to pay the toll. And she's about ready. She's being asked now to pay the toll. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, I think, and I think too, something that like, I also really enjoy is that like, I can buy Jesse's innocence in that moment and that like, the virginity part of it is true. Mm-hmm. But I also think, like, we have a little bit of Jesse's, I don't want to say, like, delusions, Mm. but I am always intrigued by the fact that she stays. Absolutely. That is a choice. That is a choice. She rebuffs because because Ruby comes on to her and starts kissing her, and, you know, she wants to fulfill this desire that she's had for this girl. 
that she's right. like I think Ruby was like pretty sure it was gonna work like I think Ruby thought like I played mm-hmm. this well and mm-hmm. like I've got this girl in my hand yep. mm-hmm. and Jesse's like no 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 and mm-hmm. rebuffs that then Ruby goes to work at the morgue and Jesse just fucking chills at the house. She just chills out. And, and just starts going through people's clothes and makeup and putting shit right. on. Right. Like, there's part of me that understands that she has nowhere else to go. But yeah. And she's certainly she... not going back. We've already discussed that. She's right. Not right. She's not, she's not going back. back. But it was always interesting to me that, well, and so this is the way that I, like, talk myself into and then talk myself out of certain plot things. I would think, like... <laughs> well, isn't there anybody else that she could call? Because, mm. like, she had the fight with Dean, but, like, obviously she still knows Dean. And like, he would totally come get her. And he would totally come get He's her. He's not going to be like, you're not who I thought you were. And right. it's like, no, you stuck around when you knew she was 16. So Yeah, like, okay. he still would come get her. I always think, like, she could always, like, go to work. Like, she could go to Christina Hendricks' office. So I always come up with, like, all these other scenarios of, like, the things that she could do. Yeah. But the reality for this character now is that, like, she feels... I think she feels untouchable. Yes. And I, I think also, you're right. And I also think that, like, she feels... And this might be reductionist. But I feel like she feels like, well, I'm with women. So what's the worst that could happen Right, to what's me? the worst that could happen? With other women like that was weird just now and i didn't like that but then she'll come back and we just won't do that again right we'll just like be friends like, yeah we'll she's my friend be because she's my friend i think yeah. that i think she also like you said she's she's uh she feels untouchable and i think that she, of the people that she's met like dean i feel like she knows she's leveled up from dean and mm-hmm. that's yeah. Dean is another thing that she will not go back to. I think because mm-hmm. um, once you once someone who is seeking that power once they level up, they're not going to take any steps back before right. they to level to level up more. I think that Elle thinks Ruby is the most um, controllable person that she knows. Whether that's true or not mm. is a different case. As we learn, Ruby very much can take over shit. Um, yeah, <laughs> but but I think in Elle's head, Ruby is is sweet to her, and so Elle can manipulate her. And I, so so I think that you know, one, she doesn't want to go back to the hotel, and two, um, she she really feels like she can control Ruby, where Ruby also feels like she can control Elle. So they're having this this back and forth, mm-hmm. and then we yeah. get to. We get to, you know... Both this of is them a, have guessed wrong about the other. Right. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. 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 And and then this this movie that has felt queer throughout the whole movie um, actually gives us blatant queerness, mm-hmm. but the queerness feels so dispassionate. Um, yeah. Because mm-hmm. these like, two are fighting about so much in their own heads that the, the lesbianism or queerness or whatever it is yeah. just kind of feels like a prop that they're both using. It was always a fine balance of how we would sexualize the character without, you know, going getting too specific when it came to, to, to Jesse. Oh, okay. And and I think that another part of it is that, because you were asking about um, Elle being a virgin. Mm-hmm. I, I think that I absolutely buy Elle being a virgin because I don't think one, she's sexually attracted to anyone but herself. Yeah. Um, okay. Fair point. And again, with the manipulation, 
she knows how to talk her, her way out of it. She's charming enough that if anyone oh, I think that's comes a fair her, point. <laughs> um, and, and that's what happened with Ruby. So she's talked herself out of it and now she feels comfortable because she feels like that is another point of her being able to manipulate Ruby. Yeah, it worked um, with a lot of boys. It, right. It'll work with Ruby. That's true. So yeah, that's true. Yeah, so mostly, all of that combines together. I think you're absolutely right that there's a there's a great my favorite moment in the movie American Dreams with a Z. Okay. Starring Mandy Moore and Hugh Grant. Um, oh my god! It's a, yeah, it's it's about a fake American Idol competition called American <laughs> Dreams, and it's okay. basically a satire of the Bush administration. Like Dennis Quaid okay. plays oh, I idiot George this. Bush. Yeah, Willem yeah, Dafoe yeah. plays not Dick Cheney in a yeah. in like a bald mask. I have um, not seen this. <laughs> but the thing about Mandy Moore's character is that she is just a she's just an opportunist she's just a climber she's the America's sweetheart contestant who is a hundred every time the camera stops rolling she's like fuck mom like she is 100% manipulating her way to the top playing this very Mandy Moore packaging to the hilt because she knows that's her play do you think it's bad of me to accept a proposal from a man I don't love in order to manipulate people into voting for me but they're like it turns out she's actually just a sociopath, which means she super connects with Hugh Grant's character, who's basically mm-hmm. Simon Cowell, and who's the cold, dispassionate, jaded Svengali of this whole affair. And there's a part where they're in the dressing room together, and they've like really found a bond because they both like hate everything mm-hmm. in the same way, but both want to be famous and rich. And there's a part where like there's like a quiet moment between the two, and she just looks at me, she goes, Martin. I'm not physically attracted to other people, but if you want me, I'm yours. And there's this great, like, I feel, I have, I've held on to that moment for so long. It's one of, like, my favorite moments in movies maybe ever. I love that line, and Mandy Moore delivering it is perfect. And I see these characters as that. Like, I see pretty much everybody in this, like, everybody of our main components in this movie is, like, an asexual opportunist. Yeah. Like, Like, because sex is never invoked, like, the only time anybody seems to have a sexual attraction is when Ruby tries to, like, touch up on and love up on Jesse. But even that, like, it's, like, that thing of, like, with, like, gay women, it's, like, do you want Do you want her? Do you want to be her? Like, do you want to fuck her? Are you trying to just consume her? Are you trying Mm -hmm. to just be close? Is this about sex or is this just about closing a distance and having what this person has or being what this person is? And then like, then, but like the only like sexual scene is when we, you know, Ruby goes to work at the morgue and she decides to start fucking a female corpse. And it's like, it's the, it's the only like, I, I'm so overwhelmed. I'm just so horny right now. I need to have sex with this dead body. But it's sex with a dead body. Right. And so the idea of, like, this being, like, a dangerous bisexual character or, like, a negative trope in that way, I don't actually get that from this movie because sex is so tangential to what all these people are doing. It feels just like a means to an end of something else. And you could say all sex is just about power or whatever. But really sure. it's just, like, no, sex really feels like literally going through the motions to get you closer to some to some existential reality or place that you want to be. And so I, like, you know, Sarah, Gigi, Ruby, Elle, uh, uh, Jesse, I see them all as, like, these asexual opportunists who mm-hmm. are just going to use their, and, and the way you said repeatedly, Roxana, like, with 
Nicholas Whiting Refn, it like the idea of your body as what is its utilitarian purpose? What purpose does it serve? What is it getting you? How far is it getting you? How can you utilize it? And that's what each of them are doing. Mm-hmm. And that is that is to me the queerest thing about this movie is how divorced it is from sex yeah. while also like using it, deploying it at certain strategic points to make like a, just give you sociological bits to chew on as right. opposed to like giving you any statement on like sensuality and, and like people being sexual beings. That to me is what makes this movie queer is how unsexual any of the scant sexual activity in it is. Yeah. And I think that's the thing too with the, uh, like necrophilia scene is I remember uh, obviously that was part of the reason that people initially hated it. Yeah. Right. Um, very similar, I think to like <laughs> pretty much the reaction to only God forgives, which is like, all of this is in bad taste. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and like, yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that very much was like, she has sex with a corpse. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the way that I always thought about it again was sort of how I felt about, and I know we're jumping ahead, but how I felt about like, ruby climbing into that grave is it felt more to me like her going through the motions of something that might have happened to her or that Mm -hmm. something that she is no longer able to experience or feel for herself it's almost like this exotic possibility yeah and it feels like a reminder of what she might have done when she was human but Mm -hmm. perhaps is not doing anymore or able to do anymore now so like so much about that scene is like i guess it's technically a sex scene right technically technically exactly um, but it's so symbolic of everything else yeah and so much of it feels more like you know almost like this is this might be like too meta but in terms of like you know the insult always to models are that like they could be a mannequin right yeah and so it feels to me like ruby securing a mannequin for herself Mm -hmm. because she cannot get the model and so it feels very much like another commentary on like again if your body determines your worth Mm -hmm. what is the worth of your body even in death yeah. And what sort of like idolatry and symbolism and stuff does it carry even when there's no more life left yeah. in it? And I also feel like that sexual act, to me, it almost feels like Ruby making the decision that like, well, Jesse didn't let me do this to her. Mm-hmm. So this is me doing it and getting it out of my system and like, jesse has got to go. You know, like, it almost feels like this is, like, the decision-making point mm-hmm. of when I get back to the house, if she's still there, yeah. then we got to go to the next phase of the plan. Because what next I wanted... Next phase of the plan! You know, because, like, what I wanted is not going to work. Yeah, yeah. And, if, and if what I want is not an option for me, then this has served its... This this purpose is... This, this has run its course. This has served yeah. its purpose. Yeah. It's literally yeah. like, if I can't have you alive, then I'll have you dead. I, I yeah. don't problem... Ha- I have no problem having someone dead, so... Yeah. Yeah. Truly. Like, that is not a barrier to me. That is not a taboo to me. Um, Your body... A body is the point, and I don't necessarily need blood running through it. So... And also, while this is happening, while Ruby's having sex with the corpse l is back at the mansion this is intercut with her like 
touching herself and exploring her own body and like mm-hmm. sexually exploring her in a way that feels surprising to her. Like mm-hmm. while Ruby's doing this, it's like, okay, well, I didn't want that to happen, but it got me thinking. Like, <laughs> right. I've got oh, some questions. I'm, yeah, yeah. Now I'm, I'm by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, huh. Mm-hmm. And which means, which like she wasn't. It's like was she not not turned on by Ruby? Like, right? It's it's like a you know was there was was there arousal there for her with an, this older woman? But it was like oh I don't know what to do with this. Like I'm gonna shove it away. Like I know what to do with boys. I don't really know what to do with this. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't seem to push her away from being stimulated. So like it does like push into a sexual sort of, not even like a sexual act. I don't think like she culminates that scene but there's just a lot of like touching of her body and it's very erotic and like you know making orgasmic adjacent gestures and expressions so while this is happening like there is a sexual encounter on on either end that is being intercut one with a dead body one with oneself and then Mm -hmm. after Elle does that after Jesse does that that's when she goes and like puts on the makeup and the dress right like she decides after that like I don't know. I guess I wear the big girl shoes now. <laughs> she's I've graduated. Go. I've leveled yeah, up. I've leveled yeah. up. And she goes and paints herself all, all pretty and kind of like, you know, Coachella. And I always is, thought of it as Bowie. Like, I yeah, always, it is. You're yeah. right. You're right. It's very stardusty. Mm-hmm. And then she, you know, and, and it also feels because this is a young L like mm-hmm. she's such a youthful face anyway, but this is a young girl when she's making this movie and it makes her look, it makes her, it, to me, it brings out the younger, like yeah. she's more painted yeah. up than she is at any other point, but she looks like a girl playing dress up. Like that looks like what you would do if you found your mom's clothes and you were like, I'm going to put on her stuff. It doesn't feel like we see ma- women in makeup, like young girls, girls in makeup when they look very aged up, like, We've mm-hmm. seen Millie Bobby Brown looking positively 29 on many red carpets. That's not what this makeup is. That's not no. what this right. styling is. This is like a little girl in an ethereal, like almost princessy dress and with like costume makeup on. Mm-hmm. She's she's cosplaying in the house. Um, it, yeah, it yeah, like the whole like, life around her. Yeah, I, I, I think that it goes in hand with um, her leveling up, her mm-hmm. feeling um the power ascension um i think that she's feeling it more than it's actually happening and so now now she's getting to a point where i think that she has um she's she's turned off ruby i mean Uh put ruby off as far as um the sexual come on um but then she has her own sexual moment by herself Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. i think that that whole She's How? only interested in herself. She's she only kisses interested herself in, herself. in the mirror on the runway. Yeah. She yeah. touches herself when she's alone. It's just, it's, it's, maybe it's not so much a rejection of Ruby as just like a rejection of she anyone just wants that's herself. not her. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. absolutely. <laughs> this whole movie is just filled with I characters that. that, that just want Jesse, including Jesse. <laughs> yeah. Jesse including only wants Jesse. Um, yeah. But, but it all, it, it adds up to her feeling like she, doesn't need ruby anymore i think that this happens very fast um yeah 
And and so the idea of her painting her own face, where Ruby has yeah. done her makeup in the past, that's true. Is her mm-hmm. saying, "I can do with what Ruby does without her. I can do this myself. I don't yeah. need anyone anymore because I'm that powerful." Yeah. Um, and she's thinking she's that powerful, but we see when she does her own makeup that this it's not the Ruby makeup. You're not yeah. getting it. <laughs> You've not actually reached that level yet. But in her head, she's she's this power. And I think that when Ruby and the girls return, and she's like you know, out at the pool, feeling herself on that diving board, mm-hmm. um, giving her monologue there. That's her, you know, letting everyone know I've made it when the other girls are looking, her, looking at her like, not quite. So I had this idea of this, of the, um, of the using this swimming pool as a motif and also the idea that you are basically looking into your, you don't even fear death anymore. Because you're, as you're staying on a diving board, remember you're kind of gliding back and forth, like you're almost flirting with death mm-hmm. because you feel so invincible. Yes. Right. Yeah. Well, there's there's that like the way that you know because she's up on the diving board, we get that great entrance, like the long walk around from Ruby, where she walks around the pool, she walks down inside the pool and walks up to underneath Jesse, mm-hmm. and very much looks like she's looking at like a god on an altar, and is looking up at her in, in, in almost this, like, worshipful position. And I think that's what Jessie sees. But she doesn't know about the next phase of the plan. Right. So she's, she sees somebody being worshipful of her. And what Ruby sees is, like, she's, like, cutting up pieces of her in her mind and figuring out, like, which cut's going to be the best. Well, it's it's she can think of herself as a god, but they're seeing her as an offering. Yeah! Yeah, yeah they and the, are! The diving board above this empty pool yeah. is so perfect at that. Because the diving board is also the runway um yeah. so jesse is mm-hmm. like in this this spot that is supposed to be what's giving her her power that's where she gets mm-hmm. her most power on the runway yeah. but it's not mm-hmm. really a runway you're about to <laughs> drop <laughs> you're about to have your right. death drop and, and ruin your knees as we were talking uh, about yeah. <laughs> yeah very much yeah i mean i think it's again it's all about like the shifting of our perspectives like mm-hmm. as viewers the fact that we're able to see how Ruffin keeps moving between the real and the unreal and like this idea of what is really happening versus what is not happening. And then from the character perspectives, like how much Elle fanning as Jesse, how much Jesse, I keep calling her Elle, but how much Jesse really feels like she did some shit. Yeah. And like, she, like, I did that. She did that. I know what I look like. What's wrong with that anyway? Women would kill to look like this. They carve and stuff and inject themselves. They starve to death, hoping, praying that one day they'll look like a second-rate version of me. She really feels like she did some shit. And I think it comes down to, again... (laughs) I think we talked about this before. Which is such a teenage girl way, which is such a teenager way to feel. 100%. That is so actually, it so ends up being actually perfect. Like, this doesn't like, oh, such a teen girl. Like, this isn't fucking the half of it. This isn't like 10 things I hate about you. But these kinds of presumptions, this invincibility, this like, I've got this. Like, this, Mm -hmm. these moves are so teen girl, Mm -hmm. which are such screaming semaphores for Mm -hmm. like how mature she isn't yet. Because she really thinks she's done it Mm -hmm. but it's interesting because it's like i think we all agree like that 
something does happen to her on the runway and she does yeah. transform in some way yeah but it's interesting that like whatever power or ability is given to her in that moment cannot compare with whatever other deal ruby and Gigi and sarah made right. so it's like we've determined that Gigi and sarah probably never got touched by the neon demon or never mm -hmm. became the neon demon or never accrued that level of power or singularity but yeah. whatever they did <laughs> surely has put them at like a different level of yeah authority or violence or wildness or whatever but like Jesse does not stand a chance, even no, no. with whatever new ability she has, even in her transformed self, like, she could never stand up to the three of them. I so I think it's... it's, I was just gonna say, so I think it's just something, it's interesting in terms of, like, what bargains work and uh -huh. which ones don't. Yeah. But William, what were you gonna say? I'm sorry, I cut you off. I really think, no, I was cutting you off, I'm sorry. Um, no, I no, really no. think it was... <clears throat> ruby that has the real power and i think sarah and bella yeah she like seems to have brought sarah and Gigi there like mm -hmm. all right girls like mm -hmm. they they're 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 taking her direction a bit mm -hmm. yeah i think that ruby is is the controlling factor and ruby is the mm -hmm. one that as as we see with the consumption later and the three mm -hmm. different reactions to the consumption i think ruby is the one that um already has some sort of power and mm -hmm. and and Gigi and Sarah are the ones that are just coming into it at this point. Um, and kind of like, I, I think that they're just following Ruby's lead. I think that, because like the way, the way Ruby kind of resolves, I do think she lives, but the way she like, she's laying in the moonlight and she almost lays herself down in a kind of ceremonial way and her, her blood starts pouring out of her body. The way she looks up almost has like looking toward the camera with like this almost blissful reaction. Yeah during the day i said you know what jenna why don't would you why do why don't we do this ceremonial i have this idea of this ceremonial ending and you're praying to the moon and you're gonna lie there naked and the camera's gonna move in between your legs and she's like yeah sure i'll do that and then in post-production it came up to this with the blood which is the cycle of the triangle and then the la backdrop Ruby knows there's going to be a reaction. Yes. Who knows if she knows, like, exactly what the nature of it will be. Maybe she knows exactly what's about to happen, and she's about to just explode a ton of blood from her vagina in, like, the bright moonlight. But, like, she lays herself down. She stands in the window in the moonlight, and it seems to be readying herself for something. Whereas Gigi and Sarah have no idea what's about to come mm -hmm. next. Yeah. What For better or for worse, they have no idea. So right, there seems exactly. to be some sense of like, and I feel like it's not nothing that when we see after the meal, Ruby is doing her house chores and she's out watering the roses topless. Her body is covered in tattoos. Like a cult. Like a cult tattoos, yeah. Yeah, like there seem to be, like they don't seem to be like specific or identifiable necessarily, but it is, that scene seems to be meant to show you and behold, this is the reality. Like, we've seen Ruby this whole movie. We've seen, mm -hmm. you know, we've seen her neck. We've seen her, you know, maybe her some of her art. But it turns out we actually haven't seen Ruby really at all. And then she is, like, fully unsheathed and topless. And it's like, these feel like they have a story to tell. And I don't Absolutely. know what that story Absolutely. is. But right. these I, aren't random. 
This is yeah. a reveal that I absolutely love in this movie because we have such a picture of who Ruby is in our head. Yeah. And just to see her topless covered in tattoos like that completely twists that image. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Just, I mean, instantly, as soon as you see them. Um, my partner is a tattoo artist. Mm, yes. And so he and I talk a lot about how tattoos are used in media mm-hmm. and what mm-hmm. they kind of represent in tattoos always still have the stigma that um, someone in movies covered in tattoos is bad. Yeah. They're a villain. Right. Um, For sure. And so we we instantly get that feeling from Ruby. Mm-hmm. Um, not true in real life. We love tattoos. Right, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just have to say. Yeah. But that's how media portrays them. And so I when we see Ruby... six tattoos, I cannot judge. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I keep yeah. getting them. Obviously, my yeah. partner's a tattoo artist. Yeah. So yeah. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm like, just cover me. Um, But also the specific type of tattoos that she has, like Mm. we, like you said, Jordan, we can't really make out exactly what they are, but they seem very pagan, very Wiccan, very, they're of that like witchy, scratchy style that's popular with tattoos right now. She has like a circle under her collarbone. I think she has what almost look because I'm looking at a picture. She, she has, has circles almost, like around each of her nipples and close. Yeah. They feel very ritualistic. Yeah, they yeah. feel ritualistic. Yeah, almost like what looks like bat wings, like in her like center breast area. So yeah, right. it definitely feels like each of them. It feels like everything signifies something. Yes, and I do sort of wish that like we had like an Eastern Promises style explainer <laughs> of what they all were. <laughs> you know, because well, I I wonder I, if Jenna Malone knows. Like, I wonder if that was a conversation she, they had. Well, this is what uh, references on the commentary, or mm-hmm. maybe it's all that says that I can't remember which, but um, it, the tattoos were actually Jenna's idea. And then uh, Jenna Malone came to me while we were preparing for saying she, if if I would mind her having tattoos around her body. I was like, no, of course. And then if I saw the tattoos, I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> but it felt so perfect. Again, it's amazing. so goddamn good in building up. Because on paper, Ruby was n- very difficult to define. Mm-hmm. So uh, 70% of that character is her invention, you know? And so Jenna actually, I think it, it was Elle that said Jenna was actually on the computer looking up what tattoos she wanted. Uh-huh. Um, and so she picked each one specifically out. So there is, cool. I think there is a story behind okay. them and only Jenna Malone knows it. And I feel like, I feel like Refn didn't even ask. It, once he no. was okay with the aesthetic choice, <laughs> he not. did not give a shit what they meant. She was like, so I want to get this, 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 and like ran it by him for like approvals. And he was like, great. Like, yeah, yeah. It'll look, like I, it'll look like this in my shot. I can do this. Okay. Do you want to know what it means? Absolutely not. I truly don't care. Like it, whatever you, whatever character Bible you have in your head works for me. Um, I didn't even know Abby Lee was a model. So like, <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, and, and this all like, and we, we haven't yet named, we haven't yet named it where, you know, when Jenna is in the pool and, and Jesse is above her. And I love this idea of like the split of like Jesse thinks she's a God and Jenna knows she's an offering. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whoa. And you know, Jesse is giving her narration. She's saying, you know what my mother used to call me? Dangerous. You're a dangerous girl. And I think this scene does such a good job 
of really bringing it really like ties in a bow like with Jesse expressing this and the idea of of her overplaying her hand overplaying her her skill as a manipulator and yeah. that being it just being very indicative of you know girls are told how much power they have all the, like well i just can't control myself around you and like well she right. looks so much older and like you can't be doing this to me like i i can't like i can't keep my hands to myself well what you know well god she was wearing a short skirt like there are so many ways that girls it is reinforced to girls and they're like and 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 young black girls like being made to be mm -hmm. objectified as adults from the youngest of ages like black women barely get to be children because right. they are immediately turned into objects for adult exploitation like girls are told from such a young age and is reinforced in them that like they just drive men crazy and they have this power they have this ability and they really need to use that wisely and they really need to be careful about how they go flaunting themselves around lest men not be able to control themselves or the world around them not being able to control themselves and it is put the onus of girls protecting themselves is put 100 percent on them right. because the world can't be held responsible for what it would be doing to such desirable and gorgeous young things mm -hmm. and i think what we see here is this because she has made some gains as a result of this power, quote unquote, that Jesse does have over people, she has internalized that lesson that was told to her from her mom. You're a dangerous girl, Jesse. You're a dangerous girl. And she's decided, I, you know, as she says, she was right. I am dangerous. And she has told herself that. She seems to have made it, a, she's come into that and thought of it as her power without realizing that again, there's a toll to be paid. That like when suddenly a situation spins out of your control and what you thought you had was power is actually not. It's not power. It's passing accountability off of other people to do violence upon you and make it your fault and make you accountable for that. And I think that exchange of having her say that when she thinks she's a god and the people around her know she's a sacrifice is why I love this movie. I mean, it is, mm -hmm. that is so, that exchange and, and, and how we are talking about it around it is, is representative to me of exactly why this movie to me is, it's fucking perfect. Like it does exactly what it needs to do to like, without really hanging a shingle on it for how you feel like Refn feels about any of this, be like, mm -hmm. consider these things. I think it is doing a really incisive point of the exact situation it wants you to consider. And I just, I mean, I, every time I watch this, I get chills. Every time I watch this scene. Agree. Agree with all. And I also think the thing that's interesting about, like, the idea of women and girls are told all the time that, like, they have this power that causes other people to act out or whatever. <gasps> I think that Jesse probably internalized that with Dean and mm -hmm. with Hank and with Sorno. But, like, once you're in a situation with other women, other women theoretically have the same thing that they've, they've been, been told taught. the same thing you have. They've been told the same thing you have. So then it becomes like, what else is being considered here? Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, that takes us back to William's point of like, Ruby seems to be a source of an otherworldly, supernatural, whatever yeah. kind of power um, that Jesse just does not have. No. And something I've always wondered about this scene, too, is at any point, do we think if Jesse were, like, 
okay, I'll be one of you guys. But the three of them would be like, okay, cool. Right, or yeah. do you think, or do you think there is always a sense, like from as soon as we get into that scene, that she is prey and that there's no turning back. There's no turning back. I think it's a no okay. turning back because I, okay. I think because because I think Gigi and Sarah are coming with weapons. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's that I just absolutely love the delivery of how when Elle walks back into the house after her monologue and she's in the hallway and she sees she sees Gigi and Sarah and then she goes are we having a party or something? Just this right. little bitch. Yeah. This yeah. little bitchy girl. Are we having a yeah. party or something? It's like, yeah. listen, you teenage asshole. I'm yep. literally going to eat you alive. Like, yeah. I- yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. to watch again, I I don't remember which episode it was brought up, but we were talking about like Abby Lee being tall. And I was like, can you just imagine Abby Lee and all that height and like just running out and Roxanne and just going, no, 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 I, re- Absolutely I refuse. Not. I will not acknowledge that. But yeah, I mean, exactly, I, I think, yeah, I think you're, I think you're right that like at that point, the trap has been set. Yeah. And it took Ruby. And I think that's the key point is that I think Sarah and Gigi probably always were going to get I here. think you're super, like how many side, how many side, at least glances and telepathic conversations do they have where they were like, is it fucking time yet? And Ruby's is it like, time no. yet? <laughs> exactly. No. Is it time yet? Yeah. yeah. Ruby's and been then... holding them off for sure. Yeah. And right. Sarah's been I mean, like, it's can literally... we fucking kill this bitch already? Mm-hmm. It's the stepsisters and the stepmother. The yeah. stepmother has yeah. the control. The stepsisters are rabbit to begin with. Yeah. But the yeah. stepmother is keeping the cool. She's trying to she's trying to get things the way she wants it. She's got an end but game. She's, she's not got an end game. It. She's mm-hmm. not getting it the way she wants it. So she's going to stick the steps. The steps. Ah. She's going to sick. The yeah. stepdaughters on her. Yeah. 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 And no, I think that's very fair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's fascinating. And because, because this movie works in such a middle register the entire time, even like, uh, except for rare points where it kind of crescendos, but like, even when Keanu is like putting the knife in Jesse's mouth, like there's no, there's no yelling. Like there's, there's, right. we're not like taking, we're not making like the sonic wave jump higher. And then does, suddenly. Does anybody in a Refn movie ever yell? I feel I mean, like I'm not since about, Pusher. The Pusher, tri- yeah, since the Pusher trilogy, like, no. Bronson, only maybe. God forgive. Bronson, I think, but like, it's not even yelling at someone. Like, yeah. I feel like Bronson is just yeah, he's yelling. just yelling. Just yeah, yelling. yeah. <laughs> Valhalla Rising is like very like little to no dialogue, right? Yeah. And then Drive and Only God Forgives are both on this like certain downbeat register. Yeah, yeah. I think all the ref and yelling comes from the audience internally screaming. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's the big it is. internal scream mood. It comes from it comes from all the people that walked out of Only God Forgives. Yes, the like older me. couple fighting as they were leaving was <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Well, then, so yeah. when we see Jesse actually in fear, like yeah. she's been cool customer this entire time, and then she's got fucking six one Abby bearing down on her. And that <sighs> that was, was a real. real hit. That was real. <laughs> it was an accident, but. That was real. Well, that's what we say. That's what we say. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I had never been punched in the face ever. And and the you know the beautiful cyborg that is Gigi. Just like I don't think Ruby's chasing her. It's just the blondes. It's just the yeah. stepdaughters. Yeah, Ruby. It, it's step, just the stepsisters, back. and yeah. they're just tearing after her. And Jesse's finally afraid. Jesse finally realizes where she's been the entire time. 
that she was being just sort of walled off from. And mm-hmm. it's kind of like, all right, you little bitch. If you want, if you want to make it in this, it's, it's if you want to fuck with the Eagles, you got to learn to fly. Like it's yeah. that moment where it's like, we're going to kill you unless you kill us, which good luck with that. But like the only way for Jesse to come out of that is, is to kill everybody. Right. So, and the, which is and, not going to happen, which is not going right. to happen, but it kind of yeah. feels like, it kind of feels like the final test. Like if yeah. you can, if you can accommodate the, the blessing and the curse that is the neon demon, you have to prove that by making a sacrifice to me. Yeah. And if you're not capable of delivering the sacrifice, I'll take your soul. Like, I was mm-hmm. promised a soul, and mm-hmm. if it's not going to be theirs, okay, I'm going to take yours. And so yeah. that feels like, you know, the ways in which, like, again, Jesse thinks she has the power, but she doesn't understand what the cost of the power is. And, you know, by virtue of being outnumbered. Like, I, I do, I wish there was, like, an alt ending in, like, a special director's cut where he's like, and I did also make a version where Jesse killed everybody. Just to see that. <laughs> that'd be fun. That would just be, and, like, the last thing we see is of her just, like, covered in gold. Covered in. Again. Yeah. Yeah, blood. Or, or just, like. Well, yeah, <laughs> I, because I feel like that also would have been a great. Levitating. Actually, legitimately <laughs> levitating. Well, more as, like, a uh, mirroring of her first photo shoot. Yeah. Yeah. And so oh. we get the right. So like we get the mirroring in that she dies. Yeah. And ends up covered theoretically in her own blood. Yeah. But I do I do also like the idea of a version where she just like goes straight beast mode. Yeah. And it's everybody else's blood. Yeah, but, uh, like Abby just comes around a corner, but Elle just gets the jump on her and just cuts her throat, and then it's down to two. Ruby's not armed, she's not expecting it. Right. Gigi's picked off and then it's just right. like me and you Ruby and it's just yeah. alright here's the showdown here's how you prove right. it and she right. just leaves bodies littered on the floor Like and you, and she, just, she's still in that dress soaking right. in three people's blood and then she very explicitly says and I also killed my family and then I'm cut the butt yeah. you yeah. think you were the first right. you're the first family I killed but instead I would, instead I would what we get <laughs> Instead, what we get is Jesse being chased, like, it's it's kind of funny. They're, like, chasing her with knives. I think Abby might have a fire iron. And they're, like, running around. They finally get so. her back in front of the pool. And they just have her backed against the ledge. And she dies because Jenna just fucking pushes her down into the bottom. Right. So they see she's fallen. And then they're just looking at her, like, from the edge of the pool. Then they all just walk down in it. And they're looking at her, like well like and then we just see you know l kind of twitching in her final moments and then they just they dine which we don't mm-hmm. see but then we we cut to the most refin way of sealing this deal possible which is a completely sexless nude exhibition of a gorgeous women shared shower <laughs> bisexual lighting covered just in blood no totally dialogue just music zero sexual zero energy. zero sexual energy. I've never been more sure that Gigi and Sarah have never hooked up than in that oh, moment oh never yeah never, never. this never. is like I'll write that fic about like any female like co like joined characters this is like right. oh no they have nothing like they do yeah. this a lot maybe but they've yeah. simply never touched each other for enjoyment mm-hmm. and just like watching the way I wish I could have seen just in real time how Bella and Abby were set against each other for blocking purposes because it makes Bella look 
almost as tall as Abby, which yeah. she absolutely is not. And so, yeah. like, as the camera is, I mean, I absolutely love this shot because it just emphasizes how much Abby Lee there is. The camera's just traveling up legs. It's just going up legs with blood covered, like blood streaming, blood water streaming down in purple and blue lighting. And it's as it goes up, then it every once in a while we'll cut back to Jenna Malone, just like in a soak of bloody water. Like we see her breasts, but it's not, we're not, this is not titillating. This is not for prurient interest. And she's just, she's not making any, she doesn't want to, she doesn't want to soak anything off of her she wants mm -hmm. to marinate in this fucking viscera she's just hanging out in the tub and all this blood and gore and she's got pieces on her like she's yeah. got stuff on her face yeah and then we just and then it'll cut back to the girls and it just keeps panning and panning and it's almost like it's almost like a comedy where like how long can we keep panning till we reach the top of abby lee's legs like right, right. how long <laughs> does one have to go until they reach the top of abby lee's legs and it cuts away strategically so there's no like there's no vagina in the shot and they're positioned strategically and just waxed smooth as the day they were born so like there's nothing indicating like any they are truly mannequins in that moment mm -hmm. yeah. and Ooh. Especially, like, I mean, even just, like, their musculature is how they're built. Like, they, they look right. like like actual physical plastic mannequins. And just as it goes up, the way that they're angled and positioned, and, like, you see just enough, but not too much. And, like, they're not touching each other, but they're intimately close, but there's nothing intimate about it. And they're just, like, you know, artfully washing blood and goo off of themselves. And I was like, this is, to me, the most Nicholas Winding Refn- they're like two they're like two most Nicholas Winding Refn shots that a thing could be. And it's like this and like Maz Mickelson beating somebody to death in a pusher movie. Like that yeah. to me is like the epitome of Nicholas Winding Refn movies, those two things. <laughs> so here's a question about about that scene. When you first watched it, was your immediate assumption that they ate her? No. Or was your immediate yes. assumption just that they killed her? Mine was I that thought they, they ate just her. killed her. Okay. Mine was I that think... they ate her. Oh, I think I was with William. I think I thought that, like, they killed her. I think I thought they killed her as an offering. Because you sure. see, like, you see Gina, like, covered in her, obviously. Yeah. Right. But I don't think I thought that they ate her at first. I didn't get that they ate her until the fashion shoot later. Until it becomes explicit. explicit. Right, yeah. Right. Yeah. I had no idea. Um, I, <laughs> I really just thought that they killed her and they were having this little... Um, cleansing moment yes yeah. ceremonial cleansing <laughs> yeah i thought the same thing jordan what made you think eating immediately i think and i think that was because i remember the movie being like like when it was in being circulated that it was happening it was like nicholas winding refin making like cannibal model movie Oh, well, oh. there you go. And so that, so I'm thinking like, where are the can, like I wanted my model cannibalism. I wanted my, mo and then I see them covered in blood. I was like, the model yeah. It's the model cannibalism! Like, <laughs> I was like, oh, it must have been metaphorical cannibalism. And then that happened. I was like, they ate her! Like, and I, I mean, I'm sure you can imagine exactly how I was reacting when that scene yes. was happening. And I just be in the theater, just like. Cheering. Like, yeah. like, yeah. like, just like wanting yeah. to scream with joy. I mean, what a what the audacity that is one of those audacity and i can abs and i and it's absolutely it's such a perfect neon demon scene mm -hmm. you're either gonna be that or you're gonna be like jesus fucking christ like you are gonna be mm -hmm. rolling your eyes you are gonna be guffawing at this misogynist nightmare being like oh 
I'm I cannot believe I've sat through this. Or right. you're gonna be like, this choice is amazing. This rules. Yeah, this <laughs> rules. This yeah. is what I came here for. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I, yeah. I don't know. I don't think I thought that. I think I remember just knowing that it was about witches. I don't think I knew that it was cannibalism explicitly. Um, and then. Well, I don't know when we want to end this segment, but yeah, it's like there's the shower, mm-hmm. there's I feel like we, Gina. we let's let's kick it. We'll kick into the next one with like the drive of the PCH. Like the, our final okay. one will be okay. the the final photo shoot. Okay, and then I don't remember what the sequence is then of when we see Malone like bleeding out. Is that after she bears? That happens. Yeah, it's that she, like, it, it leaves the bathroom, and then, like, I think mm-hmm. it's the next thing we see. She's just out watering. Watering. And right. she's in her, like, kind of fabulous pedal pushers and topless. Right. And right. then And then she just, like, she's, like, just wa- bored watering the plants. And then you then she looks over at the pool, and we see the POV, like, looking at her from the pool. And she just, like, blithely turns the hose mm-hmm. <laughs> over into the pool, like, I guess I better take care of I that. I guess I should clean that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess I should. They yeah. can't really find that when they come home. And yeah. then we just see her in like a lovely little rose garden in a little right. human sized shallow grave where she right. just decides to like smoke and like I think take a nap chill. Yeah, and just like yeah. be one with the which feels so which feels very witchcraft like mm-hmm. the moment where she like brings herself together with the earth mm-hmm. and yeah. is sort yeah. of one with the natural world that that feels like oh this is like this is part of your whole fucking practice. This is like your right, whole deal. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And like you said, there's a body under each rose bush kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and then like it goes from there into her in like that, like lofty, it looks like apartment space where she's standing in front of the big window with the moonlight pouring down on her naked already. And just yeah. seemingly preparing for yeah. something that is about to happen to her. It's all ritualistic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I I feel like that's where I, I need to save this for the next episode because right. I want to go through the right. theories of what I think is happening with all three of them. Okay, great. Yeah, great. after I, the consumption. I'm very I'm very excited for that because I know that like my initial read of what happened to Gina was I think different from your guys's read. So we can leave that for the yeah. next one. Yeah. All right, we will we will leave uh we will exit um from the feast and we will we will uh, conclude our our series with the next episode i guess that would be with um you know the aftermath and 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 the the ramifications for eating jesse yeah. um <laughs> on on <laughs> on on our our wicked witch and her evils her evil children so i what a journey. I'm so I know. <laughs> I can't believe it's about to be over. I know. I know. You guys are gonna have yeah. to find something else because this is yeah, <laughs> too delightful. I agree. Um, but for now, we will do our sign offs. Um, I will say I am Jordan Cruciola. You can find me on Twitter at J O R C R U Jorcrew, uh patreon.com slash cruciola. But uh, you know, get excited. Get excited because we got one more to go. Uh, I'm Roxana Haddadi. You can find me on Twitter at Roxana underscore Haddadi, and you can find my writing at Pajiba, Crooked Marquee, The AV Club, Vulture, and, you know, a lot of spots on the internet. So mm-hmm. read it. Read it. Read it. William? And I'm William O. Tyler, uh, at William O. Tyler on 
any social media, Patreon, Etsy, everywhere. Um, and you can find me Mondays on Cinephilia. Uh, from, uh, you can find me Mondays hosting Cinephilia from Perception Studios. Excellent. Check all of those things out. Patronize all of us, you guys. And uh, join us for another round as we continue to go not like like we go appropriately long on the, yeah. on the neon demon. This is yeah. this is exactly what this movie exists to have done. This treatment we are yes. giving it. And so thank <laughs> you guys for tuning in and you will be listening to us again soon. They want to be me.